Good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Good. Good. Well, it's good to see all of you today. Well, let's open with a word of prayer. God, thank you for getting us here all safely. I pray, God, that you will help us get back home safely. God, I uh, pray that we will not take this time for granted, uh, but that we will be thankful and grateful that we have fellow believers in Christ. God, we're not on this journey alone, but we have brothers and sisters, God. And so I pray that uh, when we look to our left and our right in our church today, that that's how we will see each other. Uh, I pray, God, that you will uh, help us to grow up in you. Uh, And anybody who uh, doesn't have that relationship with you through Christ, I pray that... uh, they will know that that's always open and available to them. God, I I pray that what I say will point to Jesus. God, I pray that those of us who speak would speak as if speaking the very words of Jesus. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will guide each of us in here to greater knowledge, trust, and understanding and obedience to you, God, because we know you're good, and anything you ask us to do is because you love us and care about us, God. So I pray, God, that we will have that burned onto our hearts, God, that we serve a good God who loves us, even to the point of dying for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. This week we're talking about anxiety, worry, anxiousness. We're currently on a series on the Sermon on the Mount. In the book of Matthew, Jesus goes up on a hill. His disciples go up just below him. And it seems from the text as though Jesus is speaking to the large crowd around him. So Jesus covers a variety of topics, but the one that we're looking over today is about worry. Some of your translations may say worry. Some of them may say anxious. Sometimes we read this passage and we think that Jesus is saying, you're not allowed to worry. You're not allowed to have anxiety. I don't think that's what Jesus is really saying. Jesus knows that we're going to have troubles Jesus knows that there are legitimate things to worry about. There are legitimate anxieties. But Jesus isn't just telling us what not to do. He isn't just telling us to not worry. He is telling us something to do. Sometimes we read this passage of Jesus saying, don't do this. Well, that's true. Jesus is also telling us something to do. And what is that? Well, we'll go into that more later on. But it's important for us to see up front that Jesus isn't condemning worry as bad in itself, but Jesus is going to call us to look beyond our worries. Jesus is going to call us to look past our worries because if we can't and if we won't do that, then our worries will become the focus and extent of our life. So let's read the passage for today. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 
4. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Like I said earlier, sometimes your Bible may translate it as worry. It gets the same idea across. But when you look at the Greek, when you look at the original language that this was written in, the word that we get, that we translate as anxious in our Bibles, the Greek word is merimnate, which could be anxious, or it could also mean distracted. So Jesus is saying, therefore I tell you, do not be distracted about your life. What does Jesus mean when he says anxious? He means distracted. Do not be distracted with your life. What is Jesus telling us to not be distracted from? What is Jesus telling us about worries and distractions of life? Well, the first thing that we see from our text is that worries of life, distractions of life, shrink our view of life. John Nolan, when speaking about anxiousness, he said, an obvious characteristic of anxiety is its tendency to be all-consuming. The scope of life narrows under its pressure. Think of your anxieties in your life. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's chronic pain. Maybe it's money. Whatever it is, think about how you feel when you're anxious about those things. Of course, it's 
okay to acknowledge those things, and it's a lot of times bad to just totally ignore those things. But when you obsess over those things, when you make those things the extent of your life, doesn't life just shrink down? Say you have a toothache. Can you see past that toothache? Maybe, but sometimes not. Maybe, maybe all day you're thinking about it. Maybe a lot of good things happen, but life has shrunk down to that one anxiety that you have. Jesus is not saying, don't worry about that. Jesus isn't saying, don't prepare for the future. Jesus isn't saying, God doesn't care about your pain. But he is saying, if you let that distraction permeate your thoughts, if that's what your life becomes about, you're going to shrink life. Life and all its beauty and greatness and bigness is just going to come down to be shrunk to that one thing that you are anxious about. And Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious about those things. Jesus sees the harm that we are doing to ourselves by obsessing over the future that we can't control. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. Have you seen them farming lately? Have you seen them sowing? Have you seen them reaping? Have you seen them stowing all their bird food into big farm houses? No. And yet, your Father in heaven, he takes care of them, doesn't he? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't spin. They don't toil and sweat making clothes. And yet, even Solomon, a great former king of Israel who people came from all over the world to see, even he didn't look as beautiful as the lilies of the field that God made and that just sit there. And of course, Jesus is using a figure of speech. <laughs> but maybe we should take his advice literally. Sometimes it helps, doesn't it, when you're filled with anxiety, filled with distractions about the future. Sometimes it's good to take Jesus' advice literally and just go outside. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Maybe that will calm your heart. I know it has for me when I've taken the time to step outside and, and look at these flowers that anxiety can't grow that flower one inch higher. Anxiety can't make a bird any more likely to have food. Jesus says, who of you can add a single year to your life? Some translations put it like, who can add an inch to your height? You know, the idea of anxiety, being anxious, being fearful of the future, making you taller. Oh, I'm scared I'm going to be short. That's going to make me tall. No, it's not. Oh, I'm scared I'm not going to live long enough. Oh, that'll definitely add some years to my life. Jesus is showing us, Jesus is exposing worry. He's exposing anxiety because a lot of times our worries and our anxieties are not exposed. We let them enter, but we don't question them at all. Our worries tell us that everything is going to go bad in the future. But Jesus says, have you ever stopped to really think about that and ask yourself, is that actually true? 
I mean, let's, let's do a test. Does that work for birds? No. And you're more important than they are. Does that work for lilies of the field? No. And you're so much more important. They're here today, but tomorrow they're going into the oven. Sometimes when they didn't have enough money for logs for fire, they would put grass instead. And Jesus says, the grass is here today and gone tomorrow. And yet look how beautiful it is. You've shrunk your life to your anxieties. But look outside. Look how big life is. Look how good God is. Look how good it is to be alive today. You're missing out. You've shrunk life because you've obsessed over your anxieties. Sometimes we look at this passage as an either-or. Either be anxious or don't be anxious. Either worry or don't worry. But I'm not sure we're supposed to choose between those two. Of course, if your kid is going to the hospital, you're going to worry. But if you're constantly thinking, is my kid going to live to be however years old? If your mind is so far in the future, if you're constantly obsessing over that, guess who you're going to miss out on? Your kid who is right there in front of you. You've shrunk life to your fear of the future. But Jesus wants us to expand our way of thinking. He wants us to see beyond our worries, our fears, and our anxieties. And when you think of the Apostle Paul, he is such a great example of somebody whose mindset has been changed. When he wrote to the Philippian church, many of you know this famous passage, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What does he mean by I can do all things through him who strengthens me? He's saying, I can, I can face hunger because of Jesus who strengthens me for it. I can face having a lot because of Jesus who strengthens me. I'm not speaking to you because of need. I have all that I need. And that doesn't mean that food is not important. That doesn't mean that clothes are not important. Apart from the fact that food tastes good and that clothes look good, clothes keep me warm. There's no such thing as a heater or a car. You know, you're, a lot of times you're traveling outside. You need a cloak. You need clothes to stay warm. And food is great tasting a lot of times, but a lot of times people eat it to live for survival. Paul doesn't say you don't need food, you don't need clothing, but he's saying, I've learned the secret to be content, whether I have a little bit or a lot. I can do that and more through Jesus who gives me strength. You see what's happening to Paul? He has peace where he once had anxiety. He still has needs, but he's not all about his needs. You see, his identity is in Christ. A lot of times when our identity is in our food, in our clothes, what are our, our food is what goes inside us. Our, our clothes are what goes outside of us. And really, sometimes the extent of our life is ourselves. And Jesus says, there's so much more to life than your inside or your outside or even yourself. 
Jesus himself. He noticed how much he celebrated, how joyful he was, how much he served others, and yet how beautiful he saw life as because he was able to have faith in God. He was able to look past his anxieties and not keep them or not allow them to shrink life. The second thing that worry distracts us from in this passage, it distracts us from the kingdom of God. Let's read verse 33 again. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What did he say before this? He said, You of little faith. When does he usually say that? Usually he says that when people don't think that he cares about them or that he even can care for them. Jesus says, you have little faith. And he even tells his crowd that they have little faith. Jesus says, I am from a kingdom and it's my kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And your faith is not necessarily in that kingdom. Your faith is more so in yourself. Jesus, that's great and all that you're bringing about the kingdom of God, but uh, excuse me, I've got to go look after my family. I've got to go take after my family. Jesus is saying, you don't have to choose between your family and me. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all that other stuff will follow. The, the irony of this is that seeking those other things before the kingdom of God actually ruins those things, doesn't it? I mean, you can have all the things of this world, but you know what? They're going to run out. You're going to need more. You need your daily bread every day, not just once. And so Jesus is saying, seek first something that is everlasting. Seek something that you can really put your faith in. Your faith is so little, and he's not getting on to them. He's not insulting them. He's pushing them on. He's encouraging them to increase their faith faith because he knows if they have more faith what is faith it's believing what you can't see so he's saying you have little belief in what you can't see you need bigger belief in what you can't see and what can't you see your god who is invisible but you can see him through faith you can believe without seeing and the more you do that the less anxiety can pressure you in your life it doesn't mean it's not going to exist anymore but it's not going to be the focal point of your life anymore. C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. What is he saying by neither? I mean, if you aim at earth, if earth is the extent of your life, you'll find that it never satisfies. It's never enough. Think of the richest people that you know. Do they ever say, I've got enough? No, they want more. But Jesus says, it's okay to want things, but want the kingdom of God first. Want righteousness. Want goodness. Love your neighbor. Love the people around you. And when you do that, you'll find that food takes second place. Clothes take second place. They're important, but they're not the priority anymore. Jesus is reprioritizing our lives around what he's doing 
in the world more than what I'm getting from the world. So Jesus says, if you're not careful, your worries, your anxieties will distract you from the kingdom of God, which is what you were born for, which is what you were made for. You weren't made for clothes. Isn't the body more than clothes or food? And yet we've made life sometimes about those things. The third thing we see is that worry distracts us from today. Worry distracts us from today. He says in verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What does he mean by that? Jesus acknowledges trouble. He says you're going to have troubles today. But if your mind is on what's going to happen 20 years from now, if your mind's always on what's going to happen next week, you're going to be overwhelmed by anxiety. You have enough stuff to worry about today, to take care of today, without you worrying about things that are going to happen weeks from now. I mean, you can worry about stuff that will happen months from now, but you may not even be alive months from now. I mean, it's, it's sad, but it's true. You think, I remember speaking to someone uh, that spoke at a summer camp about the future, and he says, you don't even know if you'll be alive at that time. I thought, that's depressing, but that's also true. You know, I'm, I'm so worried, filled with anxiety about the future, but I'm missing out on today. Tomorrow's going to happen, maybe, but today is for sure here right now. And all I can control is what happens today. If I obsess over my fears of the future, I'm missing out on the present. But like I said, Jesus isn't saying don't ever consider the future, don't ever plan for the future. He's saying don't live in the future. Don't live in the future. Don't live in the past. Live right now. And you can look back and you can look forward, but if you live in the future, you miss out on what's real. The future is guesswork. The present is reality. And you miss out on that reality if you're constantly worried and anxious for the future. A good story about this is one that I heard when I was a little kid. There was a TV show, I think it was called Adventure of Virtues. And I loved this show because um, it told stories about life. And one of them really stuck with me. It was about a little boy who one day he ran into this lady who happened to be a witch. And so she presented him with a little ball of string. And she said, this is a magic ball of string. Whenever you pull the string, it takes you into the future. And so, of course, this little boy took this ball of string because that sounds awesome. I want to go into the future. Well, he couldn't wait to go to college. He couldn't wait to be on his own. So he pulled the string. And sure enough, he was older, and he was in college, and he met a girl that he liked, and he said, I just can't wait to marry her. He pulled the string, and sure enough, he was married to her. I just can't wait till we have kids. I want to see what that's like. I don't know what that looks like. I just want to get to it. He pulled the string, and they had kids. I, I, just, I just want to get to having grandkids. I don't know what that's going to look like. He pulled the string. He had grandkids. He pulled the string, pulled the string, pulled the string over and over and over until the point that he was at the end of his life. 
And then he regretted that he ever had the string in the first place because he never lived. He was always going into the future, never living in the present. So he lived, but he never really truly lived. He never got to experience the joy of reaching those things that he wanted to get to. He got to those things, but he didn't live in the present. He always lived in the future. And Jesus says, you're going to miss out on today if you keep pulling the string towards tomorrow. We always pull the string, don't we? We always look forward to something. We worry about something happening. We say, oh, I just want to get over it. I just want to get to it. And then after that, I'll be okay. But no, that's not true because when we get to that point, we'll just want to get to the next point and the next point and we'll never really live. Worry and anxiety, when we let it drive us and consume us, distracts us from today. Imagine if Jesus had that ball of string. Now, think about this. Jesus knew that he was going to the cross. He said it a lot of times to his disciples, I'm going to the cross. Now, imagine if Jesus said, I just want to pull this string and just get to it. That would have been great that he was on the cross, but we would have missed out on all of his teaching. What does the book of John say? It says, if we were to collect what Jesus did in books, I suppose the whole world can contain what he did. But what if Jesus locked the door and said, I'm so anxious. I've got to go to the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to be flogged, punched, spit at, mocked, made fun of, stripped. I can't live today. I can't focus on today. I'm just going. I just want to pull the string and get to that future event. We would have missed out on so much. I mean, I know if I knew that the cross was in my future, that's how I would live. I would live in total anxiety. But, but Jesus did not live in total anxiety. He knew the cross was coming. But he said, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Tomorrow has enough troubles. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Live in the present. Jesus could celebrate with people. He could sit down and dine with people. He could touch and heal people who had been sick for years. Not because he was living in his mind in the future, in, the, in some uh, nightmare that he knew he was going to live, but because despite that, he lived in the present. He didn't let anxiety run his life. He let faith run his life. He let the goodness of God run his life. He let he could see beyond his troubles and hurts and pains because he knew that God is beautiful. God has made life beautiful. And yes, Jesus doesn't deny the pains and the troubles of life, but he says there's so much more reason to have faith than to worry. Yes, there's reasons to worry, but there's so much more reasons to have faith, to be encouraged, to look past our anxieties. Jesus had the greatest reason of all to be anxious, and yet he didn't live in his anxieties. And we say, oh, that's just because Jesus was Jesus. But Jesus is telling us, he's saying, you are living in your anxieties, but I'm not going to. And if you want to follow the Jesus way, then you'll keep your eyes on me and not on your nightmares of the future. You know, 
we do have nightmares of the future, don't we? Sometimes we think this horrible thing is going to happen in the future. This horrible thing is going to happen. This is going to mess up. What if I get fired? What if I lose money? What if I get cheated? What if this goes wrong? You know, that's playing constantly in our minds. I remember in college, we had a prayer group. And I remember we would write down our prayers a lot of times. People would bring their prayer requests, and we would write it down. And I remember a year later, um, just looking through those journals. And it's not like I was looking at them to see, like, okay, did God really answer these prayers? I was looking at it more because, oh, I, I totally forgot all these prayer requests that we had. But it was amazing to me because when I looked through it, I couldn't remember almost any of them. I looked at the sections that said, Cody, prayer requests. And I thought, when did I, when did I pray for that? When did I ask my group to help me with that? You know, at the time, that was the biggest concern on my mind. That was the most pressing issue in life. I don't even remember it now. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't important. It doesn't mean that the prayer requests were not important. But what it does mean is that we came together, we admitted what we were worried about, what we were anxious about, and we gave it up to God. We said, although I know I can do my part in certain parts of these prayer requests, I'm depending now on God to help me with these. And when we learn to depend on God, we can have peace that we couldn't have before. We can see past our worries because our worries tell us this is the end of the world. But Jesus says, Look at the prayer request you wrote down eight years ago. Do you even remember asking it? Probably not, because our worries tend to lie to us. They tend to tell us the worst-case scenario. And I like what Bob Goff said. He said, most of the things I was afraid of never happened. Most of the things I was afraid of never happened. And Jesus is saying, you're living in all kinds of fears about the future, but most of them, almost all of them aren't even going to happen, and yet all these good things around you, all this beauty around you, you're missing out on because you're so focused on your anxieties and your worries. Jesus doesn't just give us good advice about worry. Sometimes we read this passage and say, this is good advice, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to be anxious anymore. Do you believe that? No. You are going to be anxious. You're going to worry. Of course, you can limit your worry. You can limit your anxiousness. But we all know that we're going to face anxiety and worry in the future. But Jesus, while he does give good advice about worry, doesn't just give us good advice about worry. He gives us good news. There's a difference between good advice and good news. Good advice says, do not worry about tomorrow. But good news says, I have come to take on your worries. I have come to advance upon your worries, to take them on. Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? What is the root of our anxiety? What is the core of our anxiety? death. Jesus says, I've come to die so that you may have eternal life. I've come to be the real food that you can
can eat. I've come to be the real thing that keeps you warm when you're cold. People say, oh, Jesus said, don't worry about your clothing. He thought, he was just saying, don't buy good clothes. But didn't Jesus have a good enough tunic that the Roman soldiers gambled for it? So it's not like Jesus didn't care about clothes. And didn't Jesus have many dinners with many people? Didn't he celebrate weddings with people? So it's not that Jesus didn't care about food. But did Jesus ever make his garments the point of his life? No. Did Jesus ever make food the point of his life? No. Jesus didn't deny those things. But he saw that life means so much more than those things. Life is from a good father. And we can know that he's a good father because the birds are taken care of. We can know that he's a good father because the lilies of the field are beautiful. But guess what else? Guess how else we can know that God is good? He came down in the form of Jesus. He went up on a cross and hung there to die. But you know what else hung on the cross? Our sins, our failures. They hung on the cross. And Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus took on the greatest anxiety ever so that we could have the greatest peace ever. When you can see your anxieties nailed to the cross, when you can see your worries nailed to the cross, when you take your eyes off of your worries and when you put your eyes on Jesus, it doesn't mean you won't have troubles, but it does mean that you will have a new perspective. It does mean that you will be able to see past your worries. You'll be able to, you're able to see that they're not the last chapter. The last chapter is that God wins. God wins over death. God wins over our fears. God wins over all evil. God is victorious and God wins, but only because he went to the cross. He took us along with him out of the grave. And if you are afraid of the tomb, don't be afraid anymore because Jesus is leading us out of the tomb. Jesus is defeating and has defeated the root of our fears and anxieties. Because of that, we can have peace. We can know that life is more. And we keep our eyes on Jesus. And don't let our worries and anxieties distract us from the beautiful gift of life that he has for us today. Let's pray. God, our minds sometimes go 100 miles per hour through our fears and our worries, God. But God, I pray that our minds would go even faster to you. I pray that our minds would meditate on how much you love us. And while that may not always take the pain or the hurt or the fears away, God, I pray that at least it would put those things in their place. It would give us perspective. It would help us to realize that life is bigger, better, and greater than the negatives, God. There's so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for, mainly you. God, you've given us a reason to live, God. When life is all about our worries and anxieties, sometimes it's hard to find purpose, God. But 
But when life is found in you, God, then we have purpose. We can face today. And we can live in today rather than living in the past or the future. God, I pray that you would prepare us for the future. You would help us to be wise as we handle business, family, uh, whatever we have coming in the future, God. But I pray that you would also help us to not live in fears about what's going to happen, but to live in joy about what has happened in Jesus and what is happening right now in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.